When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Welcome to the first of a three-part series covering the entire history and discography of Megadeth. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I'm joined by my favorite co-host, Luce Cannon. Luce, how are you today? I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. And we have a special guest, the uh, head of the Radiohead fan club, Joey Haney, also host of (laughs) Rock Strikes 10. Joey, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. How are those Radioheads doing lately? Yeah. They've been sucking pretty bad since 2000. <laughs> they they are amazing, though. They've convinced their fans that they're still making albums worth listening to. Okay, good. So gl- gl- glad we, uh, we were on the same page here. Our, I th- again, friends that are united in their hatred of Radiohead are friends forever. <laughs> I fell off after 01 officially, so. Okay, I, I never Way had, earlier for me. Ball. Yeah. That's fair uh, enough. <laughs> they, they, when they started to hate guitars... That's that's a pretty good reason to get out, you know. So yeah. or yeah. singing or songwriting. So, <laughs> but we're, we're, are we doing a Radiohead uh, a discography today, or what are we doing, Joey? Special oh, guest inter- interview over, if that's the case. Uh, no, we're doing the one of the Big Four. My second personal favorite of the Big Four, Megadeth. Yes, Mega Dave, whatever who's, you want to call it. Who's number one? Anthrax. Okay. Yeah, I. Yeah, mine. Uh, why don't you do rank yours real quick, and we'll just go around table. <laughs> um, yeah, Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer. Very. It's almost like a tie with Slayer, Megadeth, and I like Metallica, but they have to get the fourth. I just go by how many more albums I like more than I don't like. So okay, go ahead, Baco. Uh, Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax, Metallica. Yeah, it's 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 hard for me for the first two. It's almost a tie between Anthrax and Megadeth because they have so much storied history, and and we'll, we'll get in that for Megadeth, but I'll I'll go I'll go Anthrax, Megadeth, uh, Metallica, Slayer mm. t- today. There you um, go. 
anyway, so we'll, we'll move move forward. But uh, yeah, Megadeth, a very interesting story. Has everybody here read the Mustaine book? Yeah. Yes. AKA how to go to rehab 20 times in a row and still not die. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like Proof, the heroin most diary. people don't die. It, it's like the heroin diaries, except it's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Who keeps a journal when they're on smack? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, um, but I, I read that like five or six years ago, so it's a little rusty, but, but yeah, so we're always glad if, if you, um, uh, first, why don't you introduce yourself, Joey, as far as, you know, what makes you, what makes you famous? Uh, uh, Rock Strikes 10 does not make me famous or pay the bills, but I do a show called Rock Strikes 10. It's a weekly list show and all six decades of rock and roll. It leans hard rock, you know, and all things in between. Sure. I'm, I'm more of a hard rock guy. Of course, you guys know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you're all over the place, much more uh, versed and uh, uh, bigger brain, things like no, that. No format. I like a no format. It, it it definitely keeps you out of the papers, though. So, but yeah, Megadeth fan since I'd say '87. Go around the room and do a little journey here. But uh, Megadeth fan since '87. I saw the P Cells video and Headbangers Ball, and that was it for me. Uh, my fandom definitely peaked around that junior high, high school era. Seen them live about five times, five six times, something like that. So there you go. There's my Megadeth credibility right there. Baco. Uh, you know, I had the first record and didn't listen to it. I don't, I don't, I just like the cover. Um, and then, uh, so far so good. So what came out? So that would probably be when I would start saying I was actually a fan. Um, fun fact though, no joke. I didn't hear the, the song peace sells, but who's buying until I bought the CD into like 92, 93, something like that. And I'm like, this is the MTV news clip. And uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm like, how did I never hear this song? Seriously, you've mentioned that before, but yeah, that is, I, I, I don't mean, even know how it's possible. I yeah. watched Headbangers Ball, I mean, somewhat frequently, you know? So I, just by luck of nature, just wasn't paying attention, just didn't care at the time, whatever. Loose. Yeah. Um, that whole thing about um, the, the MTV clip, he says in the book that mm-hmm. they used just enough to not pay them every time they played it. Brilliant. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That, that I wasn't aware of. I thought it was just like a deal. That they made. But anyway, yeah. So mine really quick. I mentioned this a couple times in the podcast, but uh, a buddy of mine um, just gave me a blank cassette with Kill em All on one side and Peace Cells on the other. I instantly liked uh, the riff and Wake Up Dead and uh, obviously Peace Cells and stuff like that. But but uh, it wasn't until I got So Far So Good So What that I was really brought into it and 
and went forward from there. So that's that's the so right around the same time it came out. So eighty seven too. Nice. So all right, we all started about the same time. And Joey, you you have have guided us with with a excellent structure and facts um, for our Alice Cooper discography, our legendary one of our highest listened to podcasts, especially the Lost Era. That that one is off the hook. People nice. people. You know, there's not that much information out there, I guess. So it's kind of like the elder period um, as far as like like the uh, the fandom. But uh, please, do you want to kick us off and start start us down the, the history of Megadeth? All right. Are we just going first album? Start with that? Well, if, if, yeah, we, let's, if let's, I have one little thing just before the, the band starts, please. if I could just throw it in here. Is anybody else sick of the way Lars Ulrich tells the story of sending Dave home on a bus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, dear God, I, I mean, nope, just a little weasel. I, my personal feeling after all these it's years. It's a very good impression. Yeah, it's a brilliant. Anyway. Uh, definitely better definitely better than his impression of me, though. For sure. we'll, we'll get to that later after I have a couple beers. But, uh, um, uh, but yeah, I actually, I'm at the point now, I think Lars might have been a little more, um, uh, like, intimidated by Dave. Uh, like, I think to a certain extent, he felt he could he could control um, Hetfield, but not Mustaine. Because I'm not necessarily buying that he drank too much to be in that band at that time. Yeah. But, like, probably no more than any of the other guys, but Mustaine obviously is a violent drunk by even his own admission. That could be uh, it. Yeah, so the other guys are probably happy drunks, and he was probably a violent drunk, and, you know, and those, those things don't make... Yeah, yeah, angry and, again. I'm just saying, it, Lars tells that story like a guy who didn't win the, that lot, the, the battle, you know what I mean? He got everything yeah. he wanted, and he still seems to need to take cheap shots at somebody. That... A lot of times, to me, that that, that lends me the the ninety five cent psychologist to to read that there's an underlying factor a little more than what's being told. And I will I will jump in here too. Is, is that we definitely need to do some kind of skit with you being Lars Ulrich at this point, <laughs> with, with that impression. That sounds amazing. You just it's it's like Vince Neil. You say every other word, but you make it a little Danish enunciation. <laughs> a little Danish. But uh, but yeah, that's all but, I had. But, okay, excellent. But now I'm going to go with with um, a theory too. Uh, before we go to the first album, that I think I know uh, why he named the band Megadeth. You want to hear my theory? Sure. No. It's it's right next to it's right next. Fuck you. It's right next. It's right next to Metallica in the record bin. It's almost it's it's right next to it. I think that was his kind of his personal fuck you to come up come up with a so alphabetically. Uh, it's first. Right. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. He's in front. I've often thought of that too. I. I'm like kind of bending over here to see if anything comes before Metallica. My, I, I do actually have a lot of bands, but if you're a metal fan, then it, yeah, there's nothing between. Well, actually, Merciful Fate would come between Megadeth and Metallica if, if you're like it's, really. In it's the in the same row. Sure, sure, it's absolutely. Right there. I mean, it's and, and can we just say that that of the big four, it is it is the worst name for the band. It's always Danko Jones actually has a has a riff yeah. on this. Where, I was going to say says, that. <laughs> yeah, he, he has this whole whole show where he says like it's one of my favorite bands. I'm embarrassed to wear the shirt. The actual logo is dumb. The fact that it's misspelling. We went. I went to Red Rock. Megadeth. Yeah. yeah, love the name, love the logo. Fuck you, Danko. Right. <laughs> but, 
Fair enough. But anyway, so the other part is, is that not only is it a goofy name, it's it's spelled incorrectly into the point that there are so many news articles that always misspell it because it doesn't actually show up as a spell check. But here's the biggest one is at Red Rocks. They have every year the bands have played there and they have it's it's, it's emblazoned in, in copper, you know, like almost like a stone tablet or whatever version you can think of. And the Megadeth playing there is played there twice. And with a 10 year gap in between it, and both of them say M-E-G-A-D-E-A-T-H. <laughs> Never to be removed. Dumb name. You're telling me nobody's <laughs> spelled Metallica wrong before. How? Is it two L's or two C's? Because it's two not L's. two of each. We can't all be the John Cougar concentration camp, can we? No. <laughs> was that actually the name? That was the name of a band, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so continue. That's all the pre-facts that I have. Okay, on with the show. Joey. No, that was Motley Crue. We're talking about Megadeth, sir. Hey, now, you've uh, already done twice. You've done Angry You've thrown angry Again in there. Is this your thing throughout the show? Do you have these written down? Kind I'll like keep trying. I'll keep, I'll keep. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You know, Joey, we, as our guest, we want you to feel comfortable. Do you need to intro a song right now, or can you keep can you keep talking? No, I mean, whenever, whenever you want to do a song, let me know. I mean, I've got, you know. No, I've I'm got, just saying, because on your show, you talk for two minutes, and you go into a song. So are you feeling uncomfortable Two now? minutes? No. Nah, nah. That's, that's yeah. strange, actually. Uh, two to two to five. I, I've done fives. You know, you're listening so. to Rock Strikes Ten, and here's another song. I do remember that in episode one eighty five, you did talk <laughs> for five minutes. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Anyway, pr- proceed. We love you. I love you too, guys. I don't. I don't come on shows I don't like. All right, good. All right, so killing is my business, Ed. You want to do a old mix versus new mix? I think this is the only time in the whole catalog review that there should actually be a debate on new mix versus old mix, because I will not count those remixes for the other albums. I just don't think they should count at all. But if you've heard both versions, I'm curious as to what you guys would think of killing is my business and business is good. I don't mind the, um, the, the remix. Uh, Again, I had no idea what I was buying until recently. Um, but it, which cover which the, cover did it have though no it's that the, new one worth with with the art the way he says he always wanted it and not the the vic rattlehead i like the cover better on the original album i think this the the one that he claims to like better i'm talking about dave mustaine uh yeah. it looks really kind of i don't know goofy and almost like some kind of weird you know hillbilly western record cover uh but other than these ketchup. boots, these boots uh, being brought back in because there are there are you know um, copies of this release without with that taken off because of some copyright bullshit. But with with the f word bleeped out, <laughs> um, well, they I, never thought, say I think it they sounds say better. Fucking. Say it again, Joey. They, they never say in these boots. They just had words that were like. Uh, that uh, Lee Hazelwood objected to, and they were none of them were like harsh words. I think uh, "ass" was the harshest word on their cover. And the funny thing about it is, I actually do have the combat version with the uncensored these boots on there. But then on the reissue where they take all the bleeps, ble- take all the bleeps out. Is it a good cover or not? No. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, so so here's I'm gonna let you guys take take this album and and give us some some information on it too, Joey. But but as as far as I can't even give a full, I've done a couple of passes of this. This is definitely a spoiler alert in my bottom five. It just doesn't do anything for me. But so I'm just gonna back back off from it. Um, and you guys tell me what is good about it, and possibly for me to go back and check it out. Uh, Joey, go ahead. 
I, I think it's a solid. I mean, it, it definitely belongs. I, I think it belongs in the conversation with Kill 'Em All. It's not as good as Kill 'Em All, which is obviously what you know the goal was here. Mm-hmm. But I think it's I think it's better than what most people give it. In retrospect, people don't seem to really talk about their catalog until P cells, and you know P cells yeah. is great. It, it's definitely an improvement, obviously. But I think Killing Is My Business kind of falls by the wayside, which is unfortunate because I think not only is it is it a pretty solid record. I think I scored it around like 88 out of a hundred, but I, you know, it's, well, it's unfortunate. I wish they would actually play more of these songs live. Cause I think there are strong songs on here. He definitely made the effort to be great. Even with like no budget. That's the other thing is that they had like a minuscule amount of the budget that Metallica obviously did for kill them all. And don't forget they <laughs> spent half of it on drugs and alcohol. <laughs> they did. Another, another <laughs> story I love to hear. Yeah, uh, eight, eight grand, eight grand. And they only spent less than 4,000 on the actual album. Amazing. I I agree with almost what you said. Uh, I I would love to mainly just hear, I don't know, I'm not sure which songs I pick. A Rattlehead is cool. Last Rites, Love to Death. But it is kind of, it can be, it's not a smooth listen because of the the recording quality. But I do like the record a lot. What's uh, What do you think of the remix, Joey? Is it is it improve it, this one? I think it actually does. I know that's going to okay. sound I think I, so I know too. It sounds like blasphemy, but I think it really did improve with the remix. I think it's totally worth owning. So yeah, what we're talking about killing is my my business. The how many co-writes does Mustaine have on Kill 'Em All and on um, Ride the Lightning? Like five or six, I think combined. Yeah, I think oh, it's yeah. four on Kill 'Em All and two on Ride the Lightning. I'm 
Joey's the fat guy, though. That you know that that sounds right on, and I've always heard that there's stuff that he I've heard over the years have been given credit for on even Master Puppet stuff. But I mean, that's just what I've heard. I wouldn't. But, uh, that, 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 I guess that's part where um, the whole first album for me. It's almost like he used used up a lot of his goods with with them on those chords. I mean, I have a theory that the ones that are that are written by him are mostly him. Yeah, I really dig the the demo stuff with him singing lead on it, man. They would have been a kick-ass band with him on lead vocals. It's like not... I nailed it. I'm just checking the songwriting credits. Four and oh, two. Oh, you get the four, four and two. What? What? Nice. Uh, I've never. The only demo I've ever heard is on Decibel Geek when they played. I think hit the lights. Yeah, that's the best one too. But that that's definitely one of those proof positives that you know he definitely. It, it you know who knows what history would have been had he stayed. I mean, there's an alternate universe where that exists, but. Yeah, that, that I mean, you can really make the argument the that Cliff Burton would still be alive if uh, if he had joined in, or they'd all be dead. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see a Metallica doing Reload or Lulu with a Cliff Burton being alive, or a Dave Mustaine still being in the band. <laughs> all right, Joey, we we missed, uh, we forgot to mention the lineup on it. Uh, can you break it down? Uh, of course, Mega Dave Mustaine on lead vocals, guitars, and he gets a piano credit on the album too because of that intro on uh, the first song, but you got Chris Poland on lead guitar and of course, Dave Jr. Ellison bass guitar and Gar Samuelson, the late Gar Samuelson on drums. Junior, Junior's from Minnesota. Yeah. Good day, mate. <laughs> Does he have a coffee shop? Uh, I think it just closed. <laughs> Did it really? That's what I heard. Wow. Oh so rock, rock business 101. Don't open a coffee shop if you're in a rock band. Well, Jeez. And if you do, don't open it in Jackson, Minnesota. For uh, <laughs> it, It's not near anything. It's like, hey, who wants to have some Megadeth coffee? Well, three of the 800 citizens of Jackson, Minnesota do. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I heard they're going to they're gonna do a Megadeth arena football team there next. <laughs> The Rattleheads, the, the Minnesota Rattleheads. Oh, that'd be a great name. Yeah. They, like I said, the Kiss, the Kiss's, Kiss's football team should have been called the Destroyers. Why? why? Oh, that, yeah, there you go. You know? It's a much better name. But okay, so let's go. Better, but let's no. Go. Yeah, okay. So that's the lineup. So this means this is one of the few times, <laughs> except for that run in the in the 90s, that they actually do, they actually, they actually have the same lineup two in a row. I don't think that's happened three times. Maybe. Probably. Yeah, we'll see as we go on just to be sure. But uh, yeah, you're, yeah, so far. There is a Wikipedia page just for former members of Megadeth. Like they don't <laughs> put it on the Megadeth page. You click yeah. the link to go to the members of Megadeth page. I think it's, uh, I think it's, Alice Cooper has that too, yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's also, uh, CanadianSexActs.org if you want more. <laughs> that's, that's not accurate. Joey, please bring us into some structure. Uh, P sells, but who's buying? Yes, I mean, 1986, a, a watershed album in thrash metal. I mean, that you know, people put that it belongs on the list with like your master of puppets and stuff like that. I this mean, is, among the living, this, this is this one was of those. What, the, uh, the first thrash record to break the top forty of of the, and then I think uh, Master was the first gold or something like that. I either wow. or flip flopped. I can't remember. But that's it's a cool fact. Place. That means they at least did something that Metallica didn't do first. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, I don't know where it falls in the all-time metal albums of all time, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it on most experts' lists in the in the top ten. Uh, you know, even all the way from you know, uncredible, 
pieces such as Rolling Stone all the way down to ones that do have merit, like a Kerrang or something like that, you know, Classic Rock Magazine. But, you know, P-Cells pretty much will always be, I think, in the conversation of top 10 metal albums of all time. Your thoughts, Baco? Yeah, agreed. Um, uh, as you know, I got into that record late. I already amassed almost every every other uh, uh, Megadeth record but that at the point. But, uh, um, Weird. yeah, and I, I really don't have a good explanation for it, but uh, it, it I think it's great. Um, I love the song P-Cells still. But uh, I mean, yeah. the conjuring is cool. Although Dave's, you know, found the Lord and he won't play that again. Um, yeah, wake I hope up a band. That he, I hope a band that he hates covers that. I really do. It's just, <laughs> just on principle. Yeah, Wake Up Dead still gives me a charge. That's a great song. And that's kind of the thing for me is that that uh, Peace Cells is actually not one of my top ones because the first half is great and it just it just loses me on the second. This goes to the fact too that when you only have eight songs. Mm, you know, and and I, I just like three or three of them. It just it doesn't make it completely for me. That was like the metal thing. Like here's eight songs. Well, typically like, they were longer, albums. but not necessarily with Megadeth. I mean, no, they weren't. It was like 35 minutes, I think. This album. Do you Maybe. do you hate Good Morning Black Friday because they're using a different spelling of morning than the one you're comfortable with? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Can, I mean, can, can I mean, your brain? Can you your little nope. brain be wrapped around this conflict? Uh, no, I love that I, song I too. By the way. I can't deal with that, and I also can't deal with any kind of like, uh, uh, you know, uh, slashes yeah. in the title. <laughs> or parentheses. And a, lot, a lot of stuff with with, with them. There's that parentheses, and also there's there's the dot 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 uh, theme for the first couple of Megadeth albums too. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like true. the dots. I like the yeah, dots all the way like, real, through you know. this one, or no, through the next I, one. But uh. I have a real music nerd moment while we're on this album. Yeah, I've actually. I've actually uh, done Devil's Island on the headphones while I was standing on Alcatraz. So there Ooh, you go. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. I like it. The Now I'm trying to think of what else on this. Oh, I, I'll go with what Baco said uh, too, is there's very few songs that are over, I won't say overplayed, but the the staples of a band that I never tire of Peace Cells. I think it's a perfect song. And and it's something that it, it's it's not specifically thrash, and that's kind of where where I think Megadeth had the difference over you know your Metallicas and, and things like that because they definitely had a punk edge to them. And the, the odds are, I heard the beginning of it right before I found out uh, Eric Carr and Freddie Mercury died. All news. Hey, a picture of Eric Carr. Oh, what? <laughs> Yeah, 15 minutes after. Too soon? Can you, can you think of a more unrock news reporters than Tabitha Soren and Kurt Loder? Uh, I mean, yeah, they were edgy. Slay. They were serious journalists, you dick. Oh, my God. Yeah. MTV and that news. guy that looks like, who's the guy that looks like Frankenstein without the bolts in the side of his neck? <laughs> I don't remember his name. I know exactly oh, well, uh, who you're talking about. Uh, Adam Curry? <laughs> no. Yeah, there you go. No, yeah. it's not Adam Curry. No, Jackson. it's not Adam Curry. Adam Curry Can't... had that, 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 the beautiful blonde hair, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was like no. John Tesh. Yeah. This guy no, was almost no. cross-eyed, and he had yeah. kind of a smushed-in nose. Just a meathead was, white guy, right? There yeah. was a, there was Kevin Seal, and uh, but he was a VJ. Uh, he I, had I think a voice kind of like this. He had a voice yeah. kind of like this, and you were just yeah, like, John how, something. The, how John, did this guy get on TV? Yeah, he should be it, doing podcasts. Yeah, John something. Uh, John something. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think it was John Cocktoe <laughs> oh, another '80s movie reference. Fresh. 
Yeah, do you like that one, or is yeah, you against that it, one as well? Well, it's pretty deep, but yeah, I like it. <laughs> is that? Uh, would you still like it if there was a young Asian boy driving a driving a car with a with a block on his foot? No, no, no. no then it was then too far. Right, Tep Tepo Doom reference, people. All right, John Norris. Hey, John Norris. John Norris. <laughs> Frickin' Frankenstein. Okay, he's like Junior. He's like Junior Frankenstein. He's made of a smaller mold. Oh my lord. <sighs> So let, let's let's get back on track. What else would you like to speak about this album? The album cover is definitely uh, uh, one of their best. Love it. Yeah, I mean that's Absolutely. great. I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot wrong with this album. The entire presentation is great. Both videos for it are great. I do remember getting uh, flipping this uh, the actual uh, uh, album over at the store and looking on the back and being like. Wow, if I'm going to be in rock and roll, I'm probably going to change my name from Gar Samuelson. I'm like, that's just not, it just doesn't flow off the tongue. So Nobody many should, members of this band did not have very rocking names, even Chris Poland. Yeah, that's not very good either. I mean, if you're named after a country, you need to yeah. change that. Um, These guys else? were like hardcore jazz guys, though. Like, they both came out of jazz bands. Chris and Gar knew each other before Megadeth. Um, thank you, Behind the Music. And it's weird and, that they're, 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 they're that level of musician, but also gigantic drug addicts and alcoholics and like just rock and roll partiers. So it's like, yeah. And they were the guys that brought heroin into the band. Cause that's, you know, that is the, you know, and I'm not even being facetious here. That is the history of jazz is, is massive heroin use. So, you know, Megadeth went from being beer and, you know, Coke and pot. And then the heroin comes in with Chris and Gar. And that was the thing, you know, and they'll tell you that is exactly where it comes from. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't see the fact to be like, hey man, working, I get some heroin. Um, I'll go see my man Gar over there. <laughs> Gar, you, watch, you two watch too much Breaking Bad. It's not all tucos and tacos. Uh, okay, all right, Joe. <laughs> I, I do remember in the Mustang book when they were talking about be, being in like a biker bar and trying to like play for their lives or play like three times that night or something like that. Do you remember <laughs> that? That, like, that, that might have been a heroin dream he had while falling asleep watching the Blues Brothers.
year did decline of Western civilization come out? 87 or 88? Does anybody it had know? had to be 88 because it had um, oh, one of the songs from uh, So Far So Good So What on it. Uh, Hook and Mouth. No, not Hook and My Mouth. Darkest Hour. My Darkest Hour. My Darkest Hour. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yes, you're right. So that's so that was kind of one of one of um in my darkest hour. It was like all it was at the tail end of eighty seven into eighty eight. It was like around there though, but yeah, for sure. Um and I was gonna say that because Penelope Spears directed the Wake Up Dead video and And the No More Mr. Nice Guy video. Yeah, yeah. Infamous video right there for Penelope. Uh, I actually I just got the decline box set for Christmas, so this is good time. What's Mm -hmm. in that? Describe that to me. One, two, and three. Yeah, Shout Factory put it out. It's it's got it's got all the stuff on the list and all the music rights cleared and uh, the first one with the punk rock doc from late seventies, early eighties. Part two, of course, which is the famous one that we all know and love. And then part three is apparently like a punk rock one, but like in more modern LA, and it's all like homeless kids and stuff. So that one's probably pretty different. I they never really that never really had a proper release. I don't believe it's just like it was added to the box. It is it's kind of an exclusive. Yeah, and. There's apparently some deleted scenes on the bonus disc, so I can't wait to watch that. So they're promising to decline two deleted scenes. So I'll let you know if it's worth pursuing, but I'm excited to watch them again. What you got? Like, there's a lineup change. You want to throw that in there? Uh, yeah, the it went from and it seems like according to Dave's book, they'd always just hire their techs. Yeah, you know, they'd, they'd all promote <laughs> their techs. So like, like that's a I've never heard that any band do that ever. I mean, you always hear about the one-off nights, you know, or like John Marshall with Metallica for like a leg of a tour. Tommy Thayer. But, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, earned his job. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, he was a guitar yeah, we, tech we, in Black and Blue. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jeff Young, who was uh, Chris Poland's guitar tech. I know he was a guitar tech. Chuck, Chuck Baylor, the drummer, yeah, the one that comes over so far. So to what? Was was their drum tech and on tour with them? Jeff Young was a guitar teacher, and they bring him in. And you know, by all accounts, they were like, "This guy was a wanker when he showed up," and he uh, because they didn't have a lot of guys show up that were that good. And the only other guy that was like decent was like. Hey, I need to call my guitar teacher to bring him down to show me uh, how to play some of this stuff. <laughs> and I think that was Jeff, so that's why he got the gig. <laughs> so, so wait, I'm going to just start doing the hash marks here. So that's two people gone, two people gone from Megadeth, right. and we'll start. Yeah. We'll start from here. Yes, and, and tally it up. Yes. But uh, what else? Isn't that the one that he said he had to redress him and make him rock and roll? Yeah, because like he was like a surfer dude, you know, skateboarder, surfer dude kind of thing, like real laid back, you know stuff like that so like a like a mark st john type right and they were, sure, they were sure. also on capital like, records by this point did they they get they that capital records picked them up four piece cells though didn't they yeah yeah they bought well, out that's the kind of impressive combat, considering so. the first record yeah i mean i think the buzz definitely helps i mean i don't think there was a hard push to get them signed especially with you know metallica selling a bunch of word of mouth albums so i'm sure capital was like we got to get one of those and it was you know that was easy enough probably a layup island did the same thing deaf american did the same thing you know yeah i remember that that was kind of like a, a big loss for eddie trunk and he had to really push for the uh, second sighting album to make up for megaforce's losses <laughs> <laughs> all right all right but uh, uh, also steve jones uh, is on so far so good so what steve jones of the iconic sex pistols he plays the second solo on the anarchy cover i never knew that i don't know why i don't know that it probably yeah he didn't apparently they didn't pay him but well they sort of did he didn't take any money but they got him a hooker you know uh so. you just had a post recently on facebook 
regarding, well, at least I commented and I mentioned this song as one of the ones that people need to stop covering. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so you want to rank them? Uh, well, uh, Motley versus Meg- Megadeth. Is there oh, any others worth speaking? Oh, my speaking? God. Motley Crue's version is horrific. Yeah, this is better than that, but I, it does nothing for me. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. I love this. The uh, first ver- time I ever heard this song was was Megadeth's version. That's probably part of it. I me too. Me too. Actually, I'll admit and that. I, I remember the video was so violent for the time too. Yeah. Um, just uh, that had a lot of uh, animation in it too, right? Or is it just a bunch of scenes of violence? I, I there is I, there is animation in there. Like that's where the, all the it gets really violent. It actually looks a lot like the Sex Pistols movie, uh, The Great Rock and Roll Swindle, at times. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it definitely looks like it. And uh, I think the the one of the great uses of censoring a lyric in a video because it's not like it was going to get played like during the day or anything. Say cunt. Doesn't say cunt. Yeah, and I remember there was like a speaking back to MTV News. There was like an MTV News piece where they were talking about garbled lyrics at one point because I guess it was a slow news week. And uh, they and Dave was part of that, you know, like piece. And he goes, I recorded a song and I didn't even know the words to it. And they were like, what song is like anarchy? And he goes, uh, there's this lyric where he's saying something like another council tendencies or something like that. And I said under cut like tendencies. And right. of course, he's like, he looks at the camera and goes, yeah, I know. Beep. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the guy gets electrocuted in the video during the cut lyric. So. You know, I, I thought that was pretty creative on the director's part there. So. Hey, uh, hey, Tabitha, we're a little slow on news this week. You want to go with the cunt, cunt story from Megadeth? point could do the entire liar spiel if you know if you know what we're talking yeah, about from the south I, I listened to the album so much i had it memorized so wow that's that's you're like an mc hammer of of uh of crash because <laughs> he just spits that out man I just want to jump in here because this is my album. Okay. The sure. so far, so good. So what there's no album before it and after it that pretty much like I can listen to this and just imagine the heroin needles hanging out 
of, of, of Dave Mustaine's arm and all of them. It is a beautiful disaster. Anarchy in the UK, the reason I love this this version so much, and and you can totally tell the difference when they the, it, uh, when they do the remaster of this versus this one, everything is lost. It's glossed over. Mm-hmm. It's clean. Actually, the entire album I have, you can't find it unless you go on Amazon and buy the physical anymore. That's the yeah. thing about the George Lucas stuff. You, you can probably jump in here too, Joey, after I'm done with my mm-hmm. rant, because the thing I don't like about Megadeth is you can go on Spotify and these other or in iTunes and you can find both versions. It'll say the for other bands where this one is just gone. And yeah. and we were talking about like Into the Lungs of Hell in the beginning of this uh, the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking oh. spectacular. I love yeah. this instrumental and also one of the reasons I like Endgame so much because that, that, that intro too. The yeah. remastered one actually somewhere deep in the mix is, whole, is, is brass instruments. Yeah. The weirdest remixes too is they all of a sudden you hear this. Yeah. I kind of need to hear that now. I just, it's you freaking got, lame, man. It is so lame. It sounds like, lame, yeah. Just, but I, uh, I, mean, I, I can't even result. imagine. And then you go into. I'm sorry. Did I say into the lungs of hell? Yeah. I said that. Yeah. What's the second track on it? I don't set have the world on fire. Oh my god, you, that song's yeah. insane. Let's yeah. just start. Set the world on fire. <laughs> What do you have to say about this? I'll shut up. <laughs> well, like I said at the intro, this is the record that I would probably consider where I became a fan. This is, out of the first three, the one I go back to the most. Uh, other than the cover, Big Shock, uh, I, I don't think there's a bad song on here. Um, you kind of touched on the, the the way it opened, so I got nothing more to add there. But uh, uh, I think it's also a great album with a good side one and a side two, the way it begins yes. and ends. The body between it, liar is just a great lead into hook and mouth, and hook and mouth is a great closer. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I think it's it's so much stronger than. And it's clear that they're fucking doing a lot of heroin for some reason. (laughs) It does sound like they're a band on heroin, or just off the off the rails is is what I'm saying. And the the cover, the cover is very, yeah, fucked up. It's It's just ah. it's it's. 
it, it's weird that it's it's not like a very good cover, but yet it really is. It, it's like, right. It's it's kind. Of, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Like it's out of focus, or it's grainy, or it's some. It's just. It's just everything about this this album is just dangerous to me. It's like a cheap science project or something, you know. And it's just or art project. I don't know. Yeah, and, and even even the title "So Far So Good." So what? Just sounds like a punk. It's something you know. that if I had made this record, I would want to get clean and totally re-record twenty years later. <laughs> I think I think you're going to get your wish with that because I mean the 30th anniversary is like upon <laughs> us on this because they they did right the wrong with the P sales 30th anniversary a couple of years ago so oh, yeah. I think they're going to do one for this not to where they're going to clean it up so much but turn the levels up get it to where we want it and I I got to think that they're thinking about doing this so they'd be stupid if they didn't because P sales got a great treatment hopefully we'll get one out of this uh, two fun facts I have about this record is. This is, you know, hardcore fans know this, but Set the World of Fire is actually the first song that Dave wrote after he got fired from Metallica. Did not know that. And he hung on to it for all that time, weirdly enough. I guess he was just perfecting it. I don't know. Um, but the other thing is, uh, okay, pop quiz guys, uh, the ori- the band that does the original I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire, anybody knows who that is? I don't, but I'm guessing it's uh, like a... No, just go. I'm not even gonna try. I was gonna say Motown, but it's not Motown. So. Um, I'm, it, it is uh, an early uh, Pixies cover. <laughs> no, it's way before Motown too, and way before the Pixies. It's like a sister Rosetta Tharp. No. <laughs> <laughs> and her guitar. I uh, no. She got in. Yeah, well, roots artist, uh, but. <laughs> The Ink Spots is the uh, the Ink Spots were like this vocal group from like the 30s and 40s. Uh, when are we going to expect the Ink Spots discography on Rock Strikes 10? Uh, whenever they make it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, I'm totally kidding. Will you? Are you down? Are you down with doing the Chris Gaines discography <laughs> with us in a future episode? Mm. I think we can get really into the minutia. I don't even have a good joke for that. I think like, I, to. This, I didn't even know that the whole premise of that was it's yeah, that's actually his music from the elder. Did you know there was yeah. an entire movie based that was going to be launched on that yeah. album? Yeah. Yeah. It wound up being a television special or something, but yeah, I, I'm familiar with I how didn't know that. big I they with, thought he was, that he could just do no wrong to where they could pull this off. But yeah, no, no. And he is, and, 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 and the, supposedly he, his, his backstory was he has some kind of facial uh, damage, and he—that's one of the reasons he—he he has his hair in his face all the time. He's has a <laughs> like they have a whole backstory for him. It's fucking fascinating. I have to listen. I've never heard the album. I Me either, to actually. But I—I I do f- from what little knowledge I know of it, and I won't. We won't get too far into this. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> is we only, we I think can have it five gets shredded too game. much. Just don't. Why can't people just not like something? Why does it have to be the biggest mistake that anybody ever made? I just. Uh, that that sounds like uh, that sounds like elder backlash hating to me. It really does. It really does. Yes. Not yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what we we bounced from in true Cobra style. We've included Chris Gaines in the uh, the Megadeth discography uh, discussion. So what oh, else Chris, Chris Chris Gaines Chris Gaines got disfigured from a hook and mouth. Sorry. Oh oh, this go. guy is on is on uh, uh, heroin.
Um, so yeah, Chuck Bueller's out. Jeff Young's out. I was going to ask who's fired. Good. Yeah, another two, up to four. Two more five. down. Still got Dave and Dave. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dave and Dave, pretty much always, except for a few times. But yeah, Nick Menza, who was Chuck's drum tech, gets the gig, <laughs> and he actually uh, he's he was barely, a drum tech. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he was uh, he was actually in the joined Mr. the band nice on video, tour, so. right? Actually, yeah, both I think of he them. actually filled in a little bit here and there. Yeah. Okay, so hold on for one more second. So we've got. So Gar, not only that, Gar was fired and dead, and then we've got Nick Menza is fired and dead. So I need to do a different column, too. The death. Oh, yeah, dead, dead drummers. Wow. Oof. People, Watch out, drummers. People Mustaine has killed. I'm running this down. <laughs> yeah. okay. and, right, and then from the, uh, the great cacophony two for Jason Becker and Marty Friedman, uh, Jason gets the David Lee Roth gig. Marty Freeman gets the Megadeth gig. That's no coincidence. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know he was up for this. That's interesting. No, no, no. I, they just both landed kind of big-time gigs. Cacophony yeah, at the was, same their, time. was their band. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you know, they lined up uh, Megadeth, you know, for Marty and Becker for okay. Lee Roth. Oh, and apparently Nick Menza, fun fact, and Mustaine said this in an interview. I never forgot this. But he claims that Nick Menza's dad is the guy that played the saxophone in the original Pink Panther theme. <laughs> uh, I love facts like that. Uh, That's amazing. That's one of the best Everybody saxophone. who's ever made it has a connection somewhere. So rest in peace. Yeah, I mean, 1990, there was a No the dot, four. dot, dot. No dot 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 except in the song titles. Twice. That's true. No slashes, just dots. It's a requirement of his contract. Yeah. I the like the first and last song have three dots apiece in them. My name is Dave Mustaine and I like dots. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe it's like the it's just the tracks in his arm. Yeah. You know the original <laughs> name of the band, Megadots. <laughs> Bingo dots. Uh, yeah, big, uh, big, huge year for the. Uh, this, this what basically... do you guys think, Megadeth or Bingo Dots? <laughs> Before we make a decision, how big are the dots? Are they mega big? Can we use that? I'm thinking that would be a great logo. Just a bunch of big dots on our backdrop. When did retard Paul Stanley join the band? <laughs> well, <laughs> like that. Did anybody make a? Did anybody make a? Special needs Stanley is taking over. <laughs> special needs Stanley. That's a new but character still, for 2018. Special needs Stanley. Yeah, he's the same as wow. Paul Stanley, except he draws his his uh, star in his asshole, <laughs> like oh. a cat. <laughs> right. I think all the dots were actually uh, that was basically inspired by uh, just looking over at their arms around this time. So, there you go. Like in all fairness, I made that joke about a minute and a half ago. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on here. Yeah, I'm I know. Sorry, <laughs> on the replay, you know I was just I wanted to prepare you. It's like, okay. <sighs> all right, now we're gonna back off so you can go on to your 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 full uh, uh, rusty boner for this album. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Yes, I do have a massive rusty boner for rest in peace. That this was one of those, you know, you like start listening to a band, you're like, yeah, hey, I like this band pretty well. But this was the one that made them like one of my favorite bands in the world. There's just something about this record. And I, I know I'm not alone in this. It's it's definitely and not that they weren't soloing their butts off on the other albums, but for some reason this is kind of where they become a guitar boner band. 
I mean, it's just like solo solos. I mean, Hangar 18, they don't sing until like, you know, a minute and a half in. It's just amazing. It's still, it's shred enough, but like, it's not like some of their, uh, and we'll get into like their modern catalog, their modern catalog. When you listen to it, it's like, I'm never going to be able to play that for as long as I live, but I would listen to a song like Holy Wars or Hangar 18 and be like, I can learn how to play that song. It's complicated, but it's really cool. And I've actually been able to learn some of the riffs off of this. So, you know, this is another thing where I'm, I'm just starting to play guitar as a kid. So this was a huge record for me. And I, I tried to, I, I learned everything I could off of it. I still couldn't learn everything. I, I learned a long time ago. I was just a rhythm guy and not a solo guy. But that breakdown, when it first goes into the breakdown, uh, you know, like when it gets a little mid tempo in Holy Wars, probably the Punishment Do section, I guess. That that is one of the most fun things to play on the guitar that I've ever learned.
Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a it's a perfect metal album. I mean, the only song I just am like okay about is probably the last song. It's just all right, but you know, Agreed. it's a Agreed. damn near perfect, damn near perfect record. I mean, Tornado of Souls is amazing. Lucretia is amazing. Five Magics is great. He won't play that again, which sucks. But yeah, I mean, th- this album would have had a great rep just based on the first two songs, but it just smokes the whole way. So yeah, always going to win this get a, a better one-two punch than the way this record opens. And then yeah. I, I'd even take it into Take No Prisoners, but uh, yeah, you know what? I, look, I'm going to take the the, the common um, the common opinion on this one too. This is their best record. Uh, I don't have much more to add that you didn't already cover, though, Joey. Other than um, I could not play hardly anything off this record when it came out. I can probably get through Hangar 18 a little bit. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can play the beginning of Hangar 18, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is to uh, thrash guitar wannabes as Bobby Dahl is to po- uh, bassists. On skinny, on skinny Bop. Uh, no, it's not. You pick any song. It's really the same. But like Gene Simmons, like Lick It Up, he doesn't have to even fret down on anything on Lick It Up. It's all open string, uh, by the way. Not even kidding. The song or the entire album? Well, the entire song, except for that, except for the breakdown in the middle, he has to hit an F sharp. Mm-hmm. But everything else, you could you could play it open string. That is, for that, it's just simple as shit. So I wonder when we're yeah. on stage and that's coming up like uh, like thirty seconds before he's like, oh shit, it's coming up, it's coming up. What do I gotta do? I know there's something. There's a change coming up. <laughs> yeah, he does um, get sidetracked on stage, you know. So uh, I'm sure it's happened. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even you you take the easy he songs. Oh, for he granted. never does that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 1990, huge. Three out of the four of the what we now know as the big four had albums out this year, that's right. and that's they true. were all big records. They all at least went gold or platinum. In the case of Megadeth, I think they were the only one of those three to go platinum. But think, I, I, I can on, be wrong 90, about that. 90 was wait, 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 wait. Seasons in 90 the was not Metallica. Um, Okay. Uh, Persistence of Time, and then Metallica oh, yes. had uh, what ninety uh, one was the Black Album. Yeah, yeah. So Seasons, Persistence, and Rust in Peace. Three amazing and, records. And you know that that gave way to the Clash of the Titans tour, which is one of those tours that everybody wished they could have seen. I Saw was it. just not old enough to see it, unfortunately, at the time. But you know, well, yeah. Somebody just, in this, somebody on this mic duh, did. Why don't you? State that, Baco. Yeah, I went. Yeah, uh, it was awesome. Alice in oh. Chains open. So jealous. Joey, uh, the remix, do you have, I'm not the remix, the remaster or the re-records. Oh, do you have, you have this version too, right? Yeah, I've got them all. They're so bad. And then this is the biggest heart. Uh, well, it's not even the biggest heartbreak because, the you know, the production on Rust in Peace is definitely more refined. Who's the producer? Max Clink. Oh, no, it's Clink. You're right. Sorry, Norman's lady. And uh, the first producer not to get fired mid-project by uh, Megadeth. <laughs> Yeah, Max Norman, yeah, Max Norman mixed the album down, but Mike Klink produced it proper. So yes, okay. But like like Baco said, it's a, it's, it's a great one-two punch. I mean, Hangar 18 is one of those songs again I can never tire of. If right I see on. Megadeth, if I see Megadeth live and they don't put Holy Wars and Hangar 18 together, fuck you. That's yeah. how they're supposed to be. I think yeah. they understand that. I, I don't think yeah. they've missed ever since those songs have been recorded. So mm-hmm. sometimes they do though. I really. Mean, yeah, I've seen Hangar 18 as a, in a fest, um, as like an encore and open. It's, it's it's just weird. It's, oh, it's, you want them back to back? I see what you're saying. I'm like they're well, never not played a show. I love hearing them, like yeah. as soon as as is you know, Holy Wars oh. ends. I need to hear the beginning of 
of Hangar 18. Um, sure. It's a great, it's a great album. I, I'm just, I, I don't put it up as high as, as everybody else, but it is absolutely a landmark album. That's all. That kind of changed that. I, I guess what I'm saying is that that Rust in Peace changed where the versus the first three albums they were more punk and more like just insane. Where this yeah. is more polished, like we know how to play. This is state of the well. art. Uh, what's what's there? They have that definition of Megadeth. It's like state of the art speed metal band or something like that. This album mm-hmm. almost summed that up, you know. Yeah. Right, and it, it began the, fucking, uh, yeah, and, and it, that's that's when they began their whole era of actually keeping the same band lineup for almost a decade. Yeah, and then following the Metallica train in the sense where Metallica are doing longer songs, the arrangements are a little more intricate. Sure. But I think they completely outdid justice on Rust in Peace. Absolutely. Not just because, not just, and not just because they actually had bass guitar on it, but I just think all the songs are better for the most part. I mean, there's a couple of songs I'd say, okay, maybe not. But I think this album smokes justice on the side by side thing because there's definitely an answer album for each Metallica album. So right. this one wins. I will agree on that too. This mm-hmm. one wins. I'll tell you which one doesn't win. The next one. Well, well, well yeah. So let's let's go. Uh, let's go into that in a moment. What? Who wants to pick a track? Who wants to pick a track that's not, I guess, the first three? Maybe. <laughs> oh, well, you can play whatever you want. No, it doesn't but... matter. Joey, what do you want to uh, hear? Uh, let's do Tornado of Souls. I think that, that that's a great song. Done. I forget about that one a lot of times when I listen to it, too. Yeah, listening to it isolated really brings it up, I think. All right, everybody. We've got we've got too much. This, this episode is mega, just like this mega disco- discography. So we've got to come back. We're going to continue the 90s, uh, going through that run of albums and into the More Chris Gaines, too. That's right. So with that said, Rock's oh, not God. dead. It's hiding. Oh, Joey, you're supposed to see the Mega. All right. Go ahead and do it again. Bark's not dead. It's hiding. God damn it, Baco. That's supposed to be Joey's line. He's supposed oh. to say it's hiding. I'm going to start you guys I just need someone out. to yell at me what I'm supposed to say. Bark's not dead. It's hiding. It's... <laughs> Wait, is it? what are we doing? Is it Rock's not dead, it's hiding, and it's Mega? Or is it it's Mega, and then I say, and then you found it? We're just leaving all this in. (laughs) There's the ending.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 